We are continuing with the virtue of mercy and forgiveness, keys to healing a broken heart. Today we will be reading from 174 to 189. Spiritual Freedom, Father Dave Pavanka. Father Dave Pavanka is a third order regular Franciscan and the current president of Franciscan University of Steubenville. He has taught and ministered to college students and led youth conferences at Franciscan University of Steubenville for the last 25 years. In 2016, he began an evangelism ministry and developed a website entitled The Wild Goose. He has also created many evangelistic video series, complete with follow-up resources to assist participants in the healing journey. In 2008, Pavanka authored Spiritual Freedom, God's Life-Changing Gift. The main thesis of this work is that coming to understand and experience true spiritual freedom is part of what it means to be healed. True freedom, according to Pavanka, involves you choosing the good in your actions, such that, quote, as a person chooses the good, the person should then experience more profound freedom. When one chooses the good and experiences this freedom, the same person becomes more the person he or she was created to be. Close quote. This idea of being yourself and being who you were created to be is crucial to what healing is about. Bavanka described this reality, quote, You were created to like, even to love yourself. This is not strange, conceited, or weird. We all need to be able to stand in front of the mirror and say, I love you. I know. I know it sounds weird and corny, but it is really important. If you can't love yourself, how can you really love anyone else or allow others to love you? Close quote. Learning to love yourself is a big step toward healing for many. When you do not forgive yourself, you will often struggle with self-condemnation, criticalness, and, ang and anger, even towards yourself. Healing means learning to come to self-acceptance and peace of heart and mind. According to Pravanka, there are two kinds of freedom. One, freedom from something or someone, and two, freedom for something or someone. Freedom from something or someone includes freedom from addictions, i.e. alcohol, drugs, nicotine, sex, porn, eating disorders, bad dating relationships, bonded, bondage to sin, i.e. lust, anger, jealousy, envy, laziness, pride, greed, etc. Bondage caused by the sin of others, i.e. friends, family, parents, strangers, etc. Such as verbal, emotional, physical, or sexual abuse neglect, lack of love in the home, the divorce of one's parents, a broken relationship with a parent or sibling, spiritual temptation, i.e. doubt, confusion, fear, anxiety, false guilt, abandonment, and self-condemnation, or unforgiveness, i.e. an unwillingness to forgive, poisons the heart and leads to resentment, bitterness, anger, hatred, and rage. 
It is helpful to remember that coming to this kind of freedom involves two steps forward and one step backwards, as Pavanka described. Quote, at times, men and women will begin down the path of freedom only to quit because it becomes too hard. I was better off a slave. Too many times to remember, I have had people say to me, I thought I was free. I thought I was over this. If I had known it was going to be so difficult, I would have never begun. They felt as they had been duped. Sure, you led us out of slavery, only to let us die here in the desert. But the truth is that God did not let them die, and he continued to lead them. Our journey, too, is perilous, but it is one we must take if we are to be free. Close quote. The challenge is to let the freedom you have received become part of your character, such that it becomes natural to freely and consistently choose the good. To arrive to this kind of freedom, it is also necessary for you to be merciful and to extend forgiveness to yourself. True freedom means letting go of the guilt and shame and then receiving God's merciful love. The second kind of freedom is freedom for something or someone, and it includes freedom for loving yourself, others, and God, and being loved by yourself, others, and God. Intimacy with God, experiencing the living presence of the Holy Spirit, receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit, living in and receiving the fruits of the Spirit, finding a husband or wife, becoming a father or mother, pursuing religious life as a brother, sister, or priest, the diocesan priesthood or the diaconate, and achieving the deepest desires of your heart and your dreams. This includes the freedom to call God Abba Father as a person who lives in the truth that he is a child of God. Romans 8, 15 to 16. This is a freedom that was won by Jesus at the cross. And, quote, he is inviting us to that freedom, no matter the circumstances, can never be taken away. Close quote. Ultimately, this includes recognizing that it is God, that it is the God of the universe who desires you to be free. As Pavanka described, quote, living in freedom means keeping things in perspective. In the midst of everything else, you know that God is still sovereign that he is holy, and that he will not abandon you. No matter how crazy things become around you, regardless of what is taking place, you do not have to lose your freedom. You do not have to fall into captivity again. Close quote. Both freedom from and freedom for are experienced when true spiritual healing has taken place. Ivanka's work, Spiritual Freedom, it's helpful because it gets at the core of what healing is all about. Before healing takes place, you often feel like you are in bondage and chains, surrounded by lies and enslaved to sin. Once healing has occurred, you will begin to feel set free, released from your chains, filled with the truth, and be in a place where you can freely pursue the good, even when it is difficult to do so. Therefore, living in freedom is not only part of what it means to be healed, but it is part of what it means to be fully alive.
I have used Pavanka's book with a group of college students, and I find this approach to be very effective because it is ideal for a small group of people to work through together. His book provides journal questions at the end of each chapter. Using these can lead to good discussion and an opportunity for you to process, understand, and ultimately integrate what he is proposing into your own life. Deliverance Ministry, Neil Lozano. Neil Lozano is the founder of Heart of the Father Ministries, an international healing and deliverance ministry, which uses the five keys method in their unbound conferences to help people experience freedom of mind, heart, body, and soul. Lozano is also the author of Unbound, a practical guide to deliverance, which has been translated into several languages, including Spanish, Ukrainian, Polish, Slovakian, Slovenian, and Russian. Unbound is divided into two parts. The first nine chapters look at the need to receive deliverance and spiritual freedom in your own life. And the last six chapters focus on how to go about helping and praying with someone else to receive deliverance. In Unbound, Lozana proposed that there are a number of common entry points that the devil seeks to use to establish a foothold in your life, including one, your response to trauma, two, involvement in the occult, three, self-inflicted curses, four, circumstances of birth, i.e. children who are adopted or children of divorce, five, associations and environment, i.e. friends, forms of entertainment, areas of sin, six, willful, serious sin, and seven, family sin, i.e. generationally passed down. In order to get rid of these footholds and help you become more free, Lozano proposed that there are five keys that help unlock and remove what is in the way of freedom. The five keys are one, repentance and faith, two, forgiveness, three, renouncing the work of your enemies, four, standing in the authority you have in Christ, and five, receiving God's blessing of your identity and destiny. The first key, repentance and faith, involves a sincere repentance of sins. Lozano uses the parable of the prodigal son to describe what this looks like. It includes, quote, turning away from sin and turning toward God, renewing one's mind, restoration of relationship, the expression of the father's affection, in the receiving of the Father's blessing. Close quote. The first key also requires faith, which includes a conversion and coming to a personal knowledge of Jesus as Savior. This relationship with God includes a sense of daily discipleship and the need to remain in communion with God through prayer. Both repentance and faith are basic prerequisites for deliverance ministry. The second key is forgiving in the name of Jesus. When you forgive the person who hurt you, or you forgive yourself, this intentional act opens the door to freedom. According to Lozano, there are many reasons why it is difficult for you to forgive. These include one, lack of faith, i.e. it appears impossible on your own. Two, lack of want, i.e. because of the hurt and pain. Three, lack of awareness of deep wounds. Four, a desire for revenge. 
five, fear, six, pride, i.e. self-righteousness or self-justification, seven, failure to take responsibility, eight, influence of evil spirits, and nine, lack of understanding on the significance or forgetfulness of the forgiveness you have been given by God. For many, forgiveness is difficult. There are two basic things you need. Quote, first is the willingness. The second is faith. Close quote. Having a willingness to forgive can at first seem hypocritical. Quote, some people tell me I can say the words, but I feel like a hypocrite because forgiveness is not in my heart. In some cases, forgiveness does not seem humanly possible. All we can do is make an act of the will, speak the words which break the power of the enemy, and trust the Lord will do the rest. Close quote. The words which are prayed out loud, i.e. the forgiveness formula referred to by Lozano, are in the name of Jesus, I forgive. You say the name for and you state the specifics that you want to forgive the person for. Lozano also listed six steps to unlocking forgiveness. These include, one, finding someone you trust to pray with, two, pray together by asking for the Holy Spirit's guidance, three, ask Jesus for the time for forgiveness for the times you have trusted in your own strength instead of turning to him, four, remember Jesus' example of forgiveness on the cross, five, use the forgiveness formula to forgive the person, and six, give thanks to God for the strength to forgive and the blessings that come from that. These six steps provide a practical guide to unlocking the graces that come when you choose to forgive. The third key is renounce in the name of Jesus. For Rosano, quote, renouncing means declaring you want no more to do with this influence in your life. It is over. You want no more lies, no more empty promises, close quote. Renunciation leads to three things. One, it helps you identify the lie and the power behind the lie and to see the source behind the symptoms you are struggling with. Two, it breaks the power and influence that evil spirits have had in your life, family, and home. And three, it gives you personal responsibility for your life as you claim your dignity, express your free will, and cooperate with Jesus' saving work. In the context of deliverance prayer, this renunciation formula includes the following two formulas. In the name of Jesus, I renounce, i.e. fear, shame, doubt, lust, etc. Or in the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie, i.e. the lie that I am worthless, I will never succeed, I am unworthy of being loved, etc. The fourth key is taking authority in the name of Jesus. According to Lozano, authority is, quote, the power to be act on behalf of someone else. It is something that belongs to another. We carry that power because it has been given to us, close quote. The scriptural foundation for this principle is Matthew 28, 18 to 20, where Jesus states, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the close of the age. Close quote. Jesus gives the apostles the same authority that he was given by God. Jesus speaks to this issue of authority in other Gospels. Through baptism, there are four main ways that you can exercise this authority or responsibility. One, you are given authority as you take personal responsibility for your own life. Two, parents have authority over their children and a responsibility to protect them from the influence of evil spirits. Three, authority is given in relationship to those who have entrusted themselves to us, especially in the context of prayer. In this situation, the person leading the prayer has authority over the person being prayed with, and the responsibility to exercise this authority prudently and wisely. This also means you have freely consented to allowing the other person to use this spiritual authority for your benefit and eventual freedom. Finally, four, quote, some have been given authority, given responsibility in the church and in society, close quote. For example, priests, deacons, and other pastoral ministers. In this case, their authority was given to them by others. Normally, you would have already prayed a renunciation prayer first, and then you would use the prayer of command to complete this action. Quote, the prayer of command in the name of Jesus, I break the power of every evil spirit that I've renounced, and I command them to leave now. Close quote. In this prayer, you are using the basic authority you have been given by Jesus through baptism to pray for freedom in your life. It is also not unusual for the person leading the prayer to pray the prayer of command with you or on your behalf, especially if you have never prayed this in this way before. Finally, the fifth key is receiving the blessing in the name of Jesus. This final step is more focused on receiving healing and filling the space that is now empty because of the departure of evil spirits, lies, and overwhelming emotions. Lozano described how often the plan of the enemy is to steal a person's identity. Quote, At the heart of Satan's attack upon you is his attempt to rob you of your true identity and destiny. Satan will do anything he can to keep you from knowing God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Close quote. Receiving the Father's blessing includes coming to receive, embrace, and know your true identity as a son or daughter of God. This includes allowing God to speak deeply into your heart as you receive prayer, to call you by name, and to help you receive God's blessing and love. Lozano described what this is like, quote, God wants to break into our lives and reveal that he is our father. He wants to affirm our identity and destiny. We need to be blessed in order to, to succeed in life. Blessing is the bread we need for our life's journey. Close quote. In my experience, the five keys are a simple, effective, and useful tool 
to bring about healing and deliverance. One of the strengths of the five keys is that they are teachable and readily understood by the average person. In this sense, Lozano has made them accessible, and no extensive theological training or ministry experience is required. At the same time, using the keys does require spiritual maturity, especially practicing the virtue of perseverance, because some lies, overwhelming emotions, and evil spirits are so ingrained or have been there for so long that it requires you to renounce them several times over a period. Overall, Lozano's emphasis and focus is more on deliverance than healing. Yet he would also say that there is an interconnection between deliverance ministry and healing ministry. Lozano's understanding of the word deliverance comes from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, verse 13 to 14. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his, his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. True deliverance leads to a personal sense of being redeemed and forgiven. Lozano described this further, quote, I believe in deliverance, yet I also believe that most of our spiritual freedom comes when we learn the truth of who God is and we actually believe what he has said about himself, about us, and about his workings in our lives. Trusting God along with resisting temptation, repenting of sin, renouncing the works of the devil, and forgiving those who have harmed us accounts for 98% of our deliverance. Many of us, though, do not find complete freedom until we have gained that last 2% when we command the enemy to leave. Close quote. Those who are engaged in deliverance ministry acknowledge that spiritual freedom also includes freedom from evil spirits. The normative way for Catholics to seek freedom in such an ongoing way is through regular participation in the sacred liturgy, i.e. this includes the renewal of baptismal promises during the Easter season, sacramental confession, and devotional prayers such as the rosary, for the St. Michael the Archangel prayer. There are times where more is needed, and deliverance ministry is an attempt to address this need. Another related ministry of the church is exorcism ministry. This is not the ministry that Lozano is engaged in, especially in any formal way. To deal with the question, what is the difference between deliverance ministry and exorcism ministry, Lozano wrote, Resisting the Devil. The Catholic Guide to Deliverance, which gives a biblical, historical, and canonical explanation of the distinctions and differences between the importance of these two ministries. Lozano described exorcism in the following way, quote, It is a liturgical rite of the Church, a sacramental provided for those cases where spiritual bondage has grown into possession. The person no longer able to resist the enemy's control even with the prayer and support of others, needs a priest to step in and do battle against the enemy on his behalf. Exorcism is an unusual, extraordinary rite that should be used only in extreme cases of bondage. Close quote. 
An exorcism within a Roman Catholic context requires the priest to be designated and given authority by the bishop, i.e. normally after an extended time of training and mentorship by another priest, to use the formal rite of exorcism. In contrast, deliverance ministry is the following, quote, it is the effort through prayer, counsel, or spiritual direction to help someone take hold of the authority has been given in Christ, defeat the enemy's lives, and break free of that of the oppression that afflicts him. A simple way to understand the difference between the two is to classify evil spirits on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the highest or the strongest. Evil spirits classified as 8, 9, and 10 require exorcism ministry, specialized in a unique ministry of the church. An example for this would be when you either freely choose to become involved in the cult, in the occult or Satanism, or you were forced to do so in childhood by your parents. There are other circumstances that could lead to this as well, but I will not attempt to list them in this book. Evil spirits classified as 1, 2, and 3 are simply what you encounter through times of temptation in the normal Christian life, i.e. the world, the flesh, and the devil. Lozano's work is primarily focused on 1, 2, and 3, which includes seeking freedom from things like a spirit of fear, spirit of doubt, spirit of shame, or a spirit of lust. Evil spirits classified as 4, 5, 6, and 7 are often more difficult to understand or precisely discern. These are usually related to your life because you remain in a serious sin, you are abused, were associated with the occult, or encountered occult practices without getting too involved. Thus, freedom from these kinds of spirits usually means seeking the help of someone with more experience in deliverance ministry. Lozano's deliverance ministry has spread and grown at a rapid pace in the United States and internationally. One reason for this is the clear, consistent, and balanced approach that Lozano uses. His five keys approach is not difficult to understand and can be taught easily. For many, the fruits that are attained from this approach are lasting. Transformational Prayer Ministry, Edward Smith. Originally, Transformational Prayer Ministry was known as Theophostic ministry. The primary goal of this ministry is to bring about a healing of your memories so that the overwhelming emotions and lies surrounding traumatic memories can be released and you can go forward with your life instead of remaining obsessed and oppressed by the traumatic and debilitating memory. According to Edward Smith, the creator and founder of this form of healing ministry, the word theophostic literally comes from two Greek words, theos, God, and phos, light. He explained this further, quote, these two words describe God's illuminating, 
a previously darkened area of one's mind and thoughts. Theophostic ministry is God's true light, the Spirit of Christ bringing divine truth experientially into one's historical life experiences. Close quote. According to Smith, his approach is different because, quote, Theophostic ministry focuses on the source and origin of our pain, not on the emotional symptoms or the consequential behaviors of our lie-based pain, quote, close quote. He goes on to explain what the underlying principle is behind the actual prayer sessions. Quote, during the prayer, during the ministry sessions, the theophostic counselors don't give advice, quote scripture, or to tell the person in pain the truth, since this rarely has much impact. Instead, the minister allows the Holy Spirit to reveal his specific and personalized truth to the person in pain, because that's what the wounded person needs, a healing word from God, close quote. In this sense, the minister is a guide who helps you connect with the Holy Spirit, feel the presence of Jesus, and hear deep within your heart the voice of God speaking the truth. One of Smith's basic principles is the idea that people struggle with what he calls lie-based thinking. Quote, every person on the face of the earth is carrying some level of pain. We all have been infested with lie-based thinking. If you think you have not been infected, just ask those who know you. If you become aware of how you are feeling throughout the day, you will begin to pick up on when your lies are being triggered. Close quote. He also believed that, quote, most of us have opportunities for healing every day if we just watch, feel, and listen. Close quote. Smith described this idea in more detail. Quote, many have difficulty living the Christian life, not because they lack zeal or determination to do better, but because of lies they believe. They may know the truth, but their memories are permeated by lies, and their knowledge of God is cognitive rather than experiential. Every lie we believe hinders us from living effortlessly in the finished work of Christ. When we find freedom from a lie, we can walk victoriously and effortlessly in that area of our life. The lies we believe keep us in bondage to the negative emotions and the behavior that follows. Close quote. According to Smith, healing comes from allowing the truth to replace the lie. Quote, when Christ heals, God's Spirit replaces the lies that are causing the pain with his truth, memory by memory, lie by lie. When a counselor or minister implants truth into the wounded person's mind, the lies still linger. Cognitive truth is not enough. Truth must go down into the heart before it results in true freedom. And freedom comes from experiencing Jesus. Close quote. Thus, for Smith, true healing means separating the lies from the traumatic event, which he believes results in the emotional pain of that event 
being taken away. A key part of this approach is realizing that, quote, lies such as I am bad, no good, not lovable, rejected, abandoned, shameful, evil, and so on, cause us to feel bad, not what happened to us. What we believe about what happened is what causes the pain, close quote. For this reason, what needs to be healed are those lie-based beliefs. Similar to the other healing methods examined earlier, Smith also saw an important role for forgiveness. He used an extended passage from Matthew 18, verse 15 to 35, to, to develop seven principles that are important to understand in order to release those who have hurt us. Principle one is the idea that, quote, forgiveness requires we take an account. It is not enough to repress memories or suppress emotions. Instead, it is important to actually, quote, identify the specific reasons for your pain and then to follow the painful emotional trail back to the source of your emotional pain until you know the extent of the damage. You cannot forgive the offender, close quote. Principle two follows, quote, if we look to the offender for healing, restitution, or compensation, we will only be more wounded. The one who has caused the pain does not have the means to repay the debt or remove the pain from our lives, close quote. Therefore, nothing else can fill the void that results from a wound except the, quote, truth of the Holy Spirit spoken softly and gently close quote, into the original wound. Principle three asserts, quote, anger is a normal reaction to injustice, but must be released before freedom will come, close quote. One of the realities with anger is, quote, until the anger is identified and then released by surrendering it to the Lord Jesus in the context of the original event or memory, we are destined to perpetually dump the old anger on whoever happens to trigger the original memory. Close quote. Freedom cannot come without making the choice to let go of anger. Principle four claims, quote, the integrity and sincerity of the indebted wounder is not critical for true forgiveness to be administered. Close quote. Instead, you can simply cut off send away or release the debt that is owed. Choosing to forgive does not require the other person to ask you for forgiveness. Principle five declares, quote, genuine forgiveness requires that we find compassion, close quote. Part of this principle involves coming to see the other person the way God sees him through first receiving truth and forgiveness from God in your own life. This principle is connected to the virtue of mercy, which allows the forgiver to assess the suffering and miserable state that the other person is in. It means allowing this intellectual recognition to result in extending compassionate love to the offender by making a choice to forgive. Principle six states, quote, forgiveness emotionally releases the one offering the forgiveness, but may also but may have no impact 
on the one whose debt is cleared, close quote. Smith proposed that it is better to have no expectation that the other person will change or repay the debt that has been cleared by your choice to forgive the offender. The good news is that, quote, Christ can release us from the pain of the wounder's indebtedness as we are willing to let go and look to him who can replace pain with perfect peace, close quote. And lastly, principle seven stretches, quote, forgiveness should not be confused with reconciliation, close quote. Smith goes on to explain this further. Forgiveness is letting go of the debt others owe you. Reconciliation is about relationship. I can out of a relationship with someone who has hurt me, yet has never come clean with what he or she has done. Reconciliation requires the debtor to take full responsibility for his or her actions, confess the error of his or her way, and in penitent brokenness seek reconciliation from the one he or she has offended. If the debtor does not admit the wrong and accept full responsibility for his or her offense, reconciliation is not possible. Close quote. The idea that forgiveness and reconciliation are two different parallels affirms the conclusion that Robert Enright proposed in Forgiveness is a Choice. Smith's seven principles show that pursuing forgiveness and mercy is the key to opening the door to the possibility of emotional, psychological, physical, and spiritual healing. Theophostic or transformational prayer ministry has positively affected thousands of people, and yet it is not without its detractors. Part of the challenge is that extensive training is needed to effectively use this method. This training includes experiencing the prayer itself, studying a lot, and being mentored by someone with more experience. In my own ministry, I've tried to simplify my approach to the healing of memories. Normally, I have you go back to the memory, step one. Then I have you try to remember what you were feeling at the time, step two. Through your own imagination, I pray that Jesus would reveal himself to you in the memory, step three. After I ask you the following questions, can you see Jesus? Can he see you? Can you see his face? And can he see your face? I believe it is important to get a yes response to each of these four questions. If you answer no to one of them, then I will try to work with you until you can see and be seen by Jesus. Things like fear, anger, doubt, and identity lies can sometimes get in the way. Once this is identified, I have you renounce what is in the way in Jesus' name. Normally, you can then encounter Jesus more freely. When you answer with four yeses, I will ask you to allow Jesus to do what he wants to do and say what he wants to say. Sometimes Jesus will take you away from the situation and he embraces you. Other times he will initiate a dialogue with you. I am always amazed at what people report back when they describe what Jesus said to them. Often it is not what I would choose to say, 
and yet it clearly and yet it speaks clearly and powerfully to their heart. At the end, I will ask, what do you feel now? People would report feeling loved, cared for, peaceful, joyful, etc., etc. Finally, I will warn you that you might go back to the painful memories because you want to make sense of them. Traumatic memories usually do not make sense. But what Jesus does and says to you in this time of prayer for the healing of a memory does make sense. In the future, if you feel a need to go back to the traumatic memory, I encourage you to remember what Jesus said and did. This way you can replace what was once a traumatic memory with the memory you received healing for. In my experience, I have found this way of praying to be very powerful, especially for those who find themselves thinking about and replaying traumatic memories from the past. So we close this time of reading with, with prayer. And Heavenly Father, we do pray that we might experience greater freedom in our lives and freedom from the things and the people in our lives who are keeping us from, from what you have for us and freedom for all the good things that you want to give us. And we pray that we might be open to recognizing the influence of evil spirits of, in our lives and renouncing them and, and receiving freedom in these areas in our lives, as well as and the Father's blessing over our lives. And we also pray that you would bring healing to our memories and that we might be able to surrender our, our painful memories of the past to you and re receive the healing um, words and the healing truth and the healing your healing love in these very memories. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.